In this episode, we talked to Head of Growth Nathan Abbott and CRO and UX Specialist Liliana Miller from Underwater Pistol, a Shopify Plus agency based in the UK specialized in designing, building, and growing best-in-class e-commerce brands. First up, Nathan pulls back the curtain and showcases 10 brands who are crushing it with subscriptions and why each example is doing something unique that your brand could take advantage of. His insight into subscription brands is second to none, and the examples he details range from leveraging testing and creative onboarding flows to psychology and human behavior logic. Then Liliana digs into some amazing examples of landing pages that crush the conversion rate optimization test. Her experience in the world of CRO allows her to highlight some of the best ways to get customers to not only take the action you want them to take on your landing pages, but also to stick around as longtime subscribers. Finally, we wrap up with some advice from this dynamic duo on how to kick off a new subscription brand or continue scaling an already established brand. So let's hop in. So Nathan and Liliana, thank you both for joining us. Great to be here. Uh, let's do a quick intro for both of you and then a little bit about Underwater Pistol. Nathan, you wanna go first? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so I'm Nathan, I'm the head of growth at Underwater Pistol. My job really focuses on the growth of our channels, our products our clients and obviously the agency itself. Uh, my background's mainly in kind of digital marketing strategy and I've been with the business for just under a year. I'll hand over to Liliana. Thank you. So I'm Liliana. I look after CRO and UX at Underwater Pistol. My role is essentially to use data analysis to identify and test opportunities to increase website conversions whilst ensuring that the site is extremely easy to use and also navigate. Amazing. So today's episode is going to be a bit different than what we're usually used to. Um, talking with Nathan and Liliana, we're going to kind of split this up and go half and half. So Nathan is going to cover uh, subscription brands who are killing it. Um, obviously, Underwater Pistol has worked with a lot of brands, so we want to kind of highlight a few brands, talk through why they're killing it, what are a couple of things that we can, can uh, point out, um, hopefully that you can kind of pull for your own store. So Nathan, I will turn this over to you. Yeah, brilliant. So I, I wanted to pick out five brands that ultimately are doing different things. But I think given the subscription space is so broad now in terms of vertical, there's different methods of success as different industries become quite saturated and you've got to try different things. But ultimately, some people are having a bit more success by keeping things fairly simple, but also keeping it quite fun. Um, so the first brand is Small, um, who are a sort of detergent based brand uh, from the UK. They launched, I think, about four years ago. Uh, two of the founders were ex-Unilever staff. So coming from that background, obviously launching into the CPG, but very sustainable focus. Their, their aim is obviously to um, limit the amount of waste that is going in, in the, these products, which in the kind of detergent, the cleaning space is very, very kind of high. Um, and there's been a lot said about that in the past. And that is kind of front and center of a lot of their messaging. Um, but focusing really on the subscription side of it, um, I mentioned to Liliana before the call, how I love these guys because they almost gamify the uh, the subscription experience and the quiz element, which many subscription brands will have and figuring out how much you need, how often you need it. It seems almost informal as they ask it. They're asking about the, the number of loads that you do during the week or the, the amount of um, the amount of washing that you tend to do or the type of detergent that, that you react to and things like that. It doesn't feel like you're filling out some sort of form and it, it flows quite nicely. And I think that's a great way to kind of welcome people into what can often be a fairly dry sell in terms of detergents and things that you know you have to buy. They're not necessarily fun to buy, but it, it spices things up a little bit. And throughout that whole... Sorry, yeah, go on. This is such a good example for, for the first one to kick us off. It's actually one of my favorite pieces to reference because they do an, a non-traditional subscription duration. 
So when yeah. you actually subscribe, it doesn't need to be one week, two weeks, one month, whatever it is. They'll suggest based on that on, on, onboarding quiz, like you said, it may be 16 days, it may be 24 days, it may be this weird random timeline based on how much you did laundry. Um, but that's the greatest way to, to kind of gamify it and customize that subscription. Yeah, absolutely. And, and one thing I found fascinating, and, and I, I would need to know far more on the, the tech that sits behind it, but it seems like they have a lot of the judgments on the replenishment requirements based on their actual reviews. So they're using customer data as a sort of way to kind of consistently inform what their business needs to be doing to keep customers happy. And that is they're kind of feeding off each other and it's almost peer-to-peer -peer in that mentality that they're showcasing reviews front and center for you to either make that call or for them to inform their own data. So I find that really, really interesting. And they're really staying on top of what subscriptions can achieve for them. Um, and it means that, yeah, it's, it's very personalized and and ultimately creates a better experience for something that you kind of want to subscribe to and almost forget about. It comes every month. You don't overuse it. You don't end up with a massive pile of uh, tablets and stuff that you haven't used. Um, and if it's more accurate as a result of that, then, then fair play. Um, and Is the there other any better way really to do it, to have your customer data and form your own product going back and forth. Like that seems like a, an absolute goldmine. That's the way, absolutely way to do it. Exactly. And it keeps things very consistent. And as you add in more kind of products and stuff, you can continually use like your, your you can have a core group of customers almost that are the best um, informants for what your, your products are going to be doing. You can almost beta test them and say like, well, we're going to advise that people have it every fortnight or once a month or, or whatever, really. So um, it, it ties in with the messaging around the sustainability point, because while the product can be as sustainable as it's meant to be, it is still unsustainable to be over ordering and to be having things stack up and stuff. So um, they're, they're, fine, they're fine tuning that balance really, really well, I think. And I think it's a, it's a really cool product and um, it looks good as well. I think sometimes with, with like I mentioned, more, more dry ones, I think the website and everything around it and on the, the kind of UI side of things, I think it's fairly soft and, and uh, yeah, good sell. It's a great point though, is that, you know, there, there are some of these products that are sold on subscription that aren't necessarily super sexy products and laundry pods is probably one of them. So having this creative way to do an onboarding quiz and kind of garner some attention based on customer data is a great way to get customers on board in the first place. Yeah, absolutely. And, and another point that I was going to raise as well is that I like that there is an immediate impact in terms of, I think I've seen it a lot of times where if you've subscribed to something for a long time, then they'll say like, oh, over the last six months, you have done this, 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 and this. It's very common in the charity space, I guess, showing the impact of what your money has done. Um, ultimately, what Small are doing is showing the tons of plastic that you've saved, the amount of water that's been shipped that you haven't uh, that you've saved on basically the amount of chemicals, carbon, animal fats, and things like that. And showing that instant impact, I think is quite gratifying for a consumer, but it also puts their message front and center and reminds the consumer why, why they're doing it as a brand, because it is, it is key to kind of put that, but it's got to be authentic. And if that is part of their messaging, then having it almost at the initial purchase is huge really. And it's, and it's all over the site as well. So um, it's, it's a great thing. It's one thing to be putting that all over the website and do massive giant numbers that people kind of can't relate to where it's, you know, we've taken, you know, hundred million pounds of trash out of the ocean, whatever it is. If you're showing that directly to the consumer and saying, you know, based on your last six orders, these are the exact metrics that we've done for the environment. That's a really cool, really powerful piece. Yeah. And that, that it's, it's so it's based, that's human behavior, isn't it? It's the same thing. Like if you're in a restaurant, you want to know that if you're tipping, that it goes to the servers and stuff like that. You want, you don't want it to be spread around and things. And I think know, knowing what your instant impact has had, um, I think that that gratification point is um, it can be used positively. And I think it is in this instance. Love it. Awesome. First example. What's up? Number two. 
Number two is um, a brand which I hadn't come across till I traveled out to ChargeX back in May, um, which was a very, very enjoyable week in, in Santa Monica. And it was Bumpin' Blends, um, set up by Lisa Mastella. Uh, she actually spoke on the first day. And I think the overwhelming message and what I found so positive, it was a really great panel where there was a real story behind um, each of these brands that she sat alongside and Bumpin' Blend specifically, she herself is from a health background as a dietitian, and it just feels like the entire brand is built around demystifying what health can be, what it can be for you specifically, um, and how to kind of understand that better and put that into fit things into your diet. I think people get really spooked sometimes by either the, the superfood mentality or the kind of the jargon side of, of health, and, and they sometimes get scared off. Whereas what I think Bump and Blends does so well, if you land on the site, is who they are, what they're all about. Ultimately, they've got to educate on what it is, which is a sort of frozen smoothie um, packaging that you get and you get an individual blend. It's I think it's like seven is their smallest um, amount that you can subscribe to. Um, and you, you throw these in a blender and, and it gives you the kind of either a 16 ounce or an eight ounce, two eight ounce smoothies. And it's not necessarily the, the most obvious of play in terms of something to sell. I wouldn't say it's a hugely saturated market. I know that there are players in that space, but there is an education piece that happens. Um, but what comes with that is putting the health messaging, I think, really, really front and center. There's so much kind of consumer focused content built around their subscription offering. It's not about here's how here's our product. Here are the different flavors and here's how you order it. It's very much like here are the benefits for you. Here's how to understand better about where to fit a smoothie or a health based kind of smoothie into your lifestyle and to understand the diet aspect of it better rather than sort of doing things in a way that can be because health you're playing with people's lives here and their, their, their livelihoods so i think it's a real you're you're in a real point of responsibility and i i do think that the um the explanatory aspect of bumping lens is what makes it such a a good thing really and yeah it's uh it, there's an element of trust i think having a founder that as a dietitian it, there's obviously that you can put that faith in someone and and using her voice and and the content that surrounds that um on the website is a really really um a positive aspect of it too Education is another piece that's that's absolutely left off in the subscription experience. A lot of people think, you know, oh, I just flip my my product and I just sell it on subscription instead of one time and it'll just start to sell and people will subscribe. But the education piece, if it's a weird product like a smoothie or like a uh, like a laundry pod, it requires education. Even though people know how yeah. to use it in theory, you have to say, you know, here's why you're doing this. This is why this makes sense. Here's how you use it. You know, this is easier because or it includes nutrition, you know, for this reason, X, Y, Z, whatever it is. Um, education is absolutely underused. I think this is a, another phenomenal example of that. Yeah, really nice. And again, they, they use the quiz, I think, really effectively. Um, I think ultimately they, they capture the email straight away at the start of the quiz, which I think, while kind of sneaky, is a great way of kind of locking people in. And there's a lot of very nice looking visual content. And even if you kind of get their emails as well, it, it mirrors that. So it keeps you front of mind, even if you maybe don't um, go into it straight away. I can imagine if, if I was a person living in the US, it sadly doesn't sell to the UK just yet, but I'd probably be, be quite easily convinced. Um, it looks good and, and I imagine it, it tastes the same as well. That email at the front is an interesting piece. Maybe we talk through that in the uh, in the conversion section here a little bit later, Liliana, but um, there's always kind of 50-50 on do you want to do the email first or do you want to do the email last? Because if it's first, you may have people drop off but if you can actually get the email, you have people who are a lot more likely to stick around and kind of get the follow-up from what they, what they submit to that, to that questionnaire. So interesting debate there. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I, I'm sort of in two minds. Liliana, I don't know if there was, you, you kind of have specific views on the, the email point. 
Well, I, I would usually go for perhaps putting it at the end because it's kind of like similar to having a coupon code at the start of a checkout. So a lot of people will drop off at that point, like Chase said, just purely because it's either not good enough or perhaps the email, like it's not, we haven't provided enough value yet. So people are kind of thinking, well, my email is extremely precious to me these days. I don't want to get spammed. I don't want to get a load of junk in my inbox. But then again, it, it does come down to testing because it might be their particular audience don't care about that. And they're just like, okay, fine, have my email. That's cool. Um, so yeah, I would say it definitely has to come down to testing just to see what your audience would want. Interesting point. I love it. <laughs> yeah. So I'll go, so I'll drift into my, uh, seamlessly into my third brand now, um, which I picked another attendant and speaker at ChargeX, which was Who Gives a Crap, which have got a fairly good presence um, across the pond as well. Um, I think it was launched by... Australians, I may be making that up, but yep. it's around yeah, 10 years. Correct. Based in Australia, was the first launch. 10 years old. And what I love, I saw um, uh, Jenna Tannenbaum speak at ChargeX, and she's uh, their head of growth marketing. And obviously, she, she came in just before the pandemic. So, a great time to be involved in growth and uh, a toilet roll um, brand. But um, I think what was really fascinating was the idea that this brand was generated so organically and almost instantly um, in the talk. It was like the idea instantly came uh, to the founders and they had this idea that there were so many shocking statistics between, behind the like global access to sanitation and safe toilets that why not create a sustainable toilet roll brand that you can give the pro some of the proceeds to, to those causes, which sounds insane as an idea that would ever just come to your head all at once. But the fact that it did, I think, is, is great. And it ties in nicely with the... Um, the bump and blends point and also what we've kind of mentioned already around education these guys have ultimately have to have had to build a brand because they didn't enter into well what i believe was an existing market in the the sustainable um kind of sanitation product space um but specifically toilet roll and the way in which they've done that hasn't really obviously we know that their, their kind of intentions is behind promoting access to safe toilets but what i think the brand also does it, it's quite it's obviously quirky. The branding is, the kind of the messaging is. And I think that really permeates throughout the subscription experience as well. One thing that really, really stood out to me during the talk and um, having used the product before is that it's incredibly easy to cancel the subscription. And I know that that as, as Recharge kind of um, advocates on our side and then obviously running an e-commerce agency, we, we, we don't love that idea that people would leave. But I actually now as someone that has subscribed to, to different things, I, I can't explain the power in being able to give people the ability to cancel very, very easily. And it definitely, and it has in the past allowed me to come back to a brand because they haven't made that, that made it teething. I haven't had to call anyone. I haven't had to email anyone. They make the cancellation process very kind of upfront and center. And that continues in a lot of other aspects of their, um, of their uh, branding as well. Sorry, not their branding, in, of how the kind of the service works essentially. And their FAQs, if you will, do confront the controversial, um, which I think it just means that there is a complete transparency with what the product is going to be and what it's going to be like as a subscription experience. So for example, the FAQs, they talk about that it's a bit more expensive. They say quite upfront that it is more expensive for these reasons. We can justify it because of this, and this is why it is, which I think is 
an incredible thing to do really upfront and almost puts you at ease and reminds you why you're there in the first place the sustainability point the sanitation point and everything like that and why they wrap roles individually and why that might be considered not sustainable for some but the fact that it actually is they're different recycling techniques and they're almost confronting head-on this idea now where i think people are so interested in everything being as sustainable as it possibly can be that they themselves can pick apart very quickly um what the flaws of a of a brand might be if they are claiming to be sustainable when they're actually not you see this a lot on the likes of kind of shark tank and dragon's den where there will be someone that says it's sustainable but it can be everything it can be the ink the glue the packaging and you can really be torn down by it so confronting that head on it answers the questions and it almost leaves a a naysayer with nowhere to go um and i think that's that's a really really like strong thing to have in your brand because it, it creates transparency and as a result creates trust and it means that people would be more likely to not only purchase but but stick around transparency and, and visibility almost feel like the opposite of like a classic marketing maybe like a 10 years ago marketing where you're not trying to sell your product anymore you're just coming to the public and saying this is who we are this is what we're trying to do it's very clearly all over our site. It's very clearly all over our packaging. If you want to be a part of this community, we would love to have you. And if not, you know, we're not going to restrict you. We're not going to keep you, which is exactly your first point. You know, you, they, they don't make it difficult to cancel. So it yeah. feels kind of backwards of what traditional subscription brands and traditional marketing does. But I think that's how you get really valuable subscribers, really long-term subscribers, is the people yeah. who stay subscribed really, truly care about your mission and about why they're doing what they're doing. And I think that that maintains subscribers even better than you know forcing you to phone in to, to cancel your subscription. Yeah, and I think with actual subscribing to actual products, they've sort of changed the game against, when you think about kind of digital subscriptions or things that, that are non-product based essentially, where you have this, this free trial kind of entity that I don't think exists as much in the product space because people almost want you to commit. You're seeing, I'm seeing a lot less of the, free 30 days or yeah. like even seven days things because the brands don't want the consumers to think that you're out there to catch them out it, this rollover mentality they're going straight onto direct debit thing it, it it frightens people it can really catch people out it puts people out of pocket and it's a frustrating experience to be a part of and i think products are leading the way and a lot of these brands that i've mentioned by not offering them at all because you don't enter into that realm whereas i'm not going to name names but a lot of digital subscriptions um news publications whatever it will be this night, oh, we'll give you six months at a pound a month, and then you completely forget, and then a direct debit comes in, it's like £100, and it's the whole year. Um, and there's a number that do that. And I just don't think it's a positive experience for anyone. So the free trial element of it, removing that means that it's just, it's all trust. And like you said, it's all mission-based um, from the get-go. So I think that's a really um, a great aspect to it. Absolutely. We kind of blend the lines in the CRO here as well, where you're talking, you know, it may be really easy to convert someone at one pound or $1 a month for, for six months, but then how terrible is that customer experience on month three or month six, whatever it is, when it flips to a, a full purchased subscription, you have to kind of, you're locked into that over the course of time. So totally agreed. I love how open and how clear they are. Um, that's another great example. Yeah. And from, well, it's, I'm kind of going to blend my final two before I hand over to Liliana, really, because they sit in very similar spaces. And I think their successes are, are largely down to fairly similar things. So there's Grind, uh, first of all, um, London-based coffee brand, um, Omnichannel as well. So they've got some bricks and mortar, um, but they, they obviously do the, the, uh, the, the bulk of what they sell is, is online and over subscription and stuff. And uh, Brew Tea, uh, who we were actually like very lucky to work with. Um, we helped with uh, their subscription portal last year, and, and it's one of many kind of great success stories we've had alongside Recharge. So um, really big fans of them. First of all, uh, off the bat, they're both 
really nice looking brands. I think very clean, very clinical and their ethos and kind of everything that they're trying to go after great coffee or tea, the refillability, refillable aspect of it and the sustainability side is kind of front and center of everything they do. And with grind specifically, I think what they do well with, and it's more so in the coffee space than I'd say the, um, the burgeoning force of the tea space alongside it, um, seems quite apt after 4th of July, but, um, focusing on coffee, there is this bridge gap between who are the experts, who are the kind of the people that really want to get into it and want to know so much about the different components of the coffee they get. And also the mass market appeal of usually pod based coffee and grind wanted to sweep up that space clearly because their quiz is very simple they relate it to a consumer and their actual drinking habits rather than really like flavor profiles and there's some really cool brands that still do that but if you want to go toe-to-toe with them you have to really commit and i think grind know where they sit across the board they, they do have different coffees and things but they're not overdoing it and if you are going mass market and you are trying to get people on subscription which is a tricky enough kind of thing as it is you don't want to overcomplicate the subscription user journey and i don't think they do um i think they keep reviews visible um which is a really really strong point when you're when you're coming up against a lot of other people in the space you want to be affirmed by the fact that people have enjoyed the coffee that they have received that it has come regularly it has arrived quickly it's been all all been very painless and they they remind you of that as you go through the journey um and the final point really is that the coffee is great it's actually really really good i have subscribed before and and um would recommend um, we should have started with that. The, the, the brand always has to, like the product always has to be fantastic for it to work. Exactly. <laughs> this exactly. falls apart if it's not great. Yeah, no, no, completely for me. And yeah, it, it sort of plays into to Bruti, which again, starting, I think is a great product. I've not only bought it myself, but it's something that you gift very well. And I think that's where a lot of their success has been is that entering into subscriptions in coffee is, it's, it seems like it, it goes hand in hand. And for tea, it naturally does as well. It's been a great success for um, for brew tea but i feel like tea in e-commerce previously would have mainly felt like a gifting space um, i don't think a lot of people would have seen it in the same way the refillable aspect of it as much as coffee and i don't think their fans of would necessarily have done the same thing and brew tea and, and there's brands like good and property as well they the gifting space they do very well it's a perfect thing for different occasions christmas mother's days whatever but um i think getting people on the subscription side of things you've got to make it quite kind of clinical and and obviously get people kind of through that user journey fairly quickly so they they can um they can understand it better and it's it's ultimately a very simple thing you want the tea or you don't you, do you want loose leaf or do you want tea bags it that's kind of what it is and what we did when we put the portal together was we it's all a one pager everything's in a few clicks it's all a kind of a bit of a bundle builder if you will um you've got loyalty and discounts sort of well in view if you need them um, and likewise to uh, who gives a crap, you can also cancel in a couple of clicks as well. So the whole thing is built around simplicity and I think they do it incredibly well. Um, again, to blow our own trumpet, we've increased average order value, we increased conversion rates and things as a result of this uh, new portal that they're working on. And I think that they're, they're set for bigger things now as, as, they're, um, as they've kind of got their subscription messaging on point and they know who they're going after. Um, and I think that's what both of those um, beverage brands really do well. Both Grind and Brutti feel like an, an awesome way to round out your section here because it feels like they're a combination of really the three that you've talked about prior. So Small has the really awesome onboarding quiz. Uh, they really put you in a spot to be successful from the, from the get-go. Bump and Blends, um, great brand, awesome way to really provide education and say like, you know, hey, we're, we're selling coffee, we're selling tea. Here's exactly what we're trying to get at. You know, there's no, no crazy fluff or anything. And then Who Gives a Crap is everything's brand first. You know, the product's fantastic. 
We're not going to keep in a hard cancel you. You can cancel whenever you want. Make sure there's education around every piece of this. Um, and that just kind of naturally increases your, your revenue, increases your average order value. Like you said, lifetime value goes up. Um, so awesome way to kind of pull everything all together. Brilliant. I will now hand over to Liliana. All right. So changing gears over here to Liliana. Uh, now we're kind of hopping into the conversion rate space. So talk through brands who are doing really well. We want to almost take a step backwards now and try to figure out uh, what is everybody doing on landing pages to actually convert them well? Um, so again, I will turn the floor over to you and let's see what you got. Thank you so much. So tip number one um, for me would be to think like your ideal customer. So this might seem like a bit of a given. And while the majority of marketers and business owners are aware of this, not many people actually put it into practice. So it can be so easy to get caught up and go straight to the optimization part, but this is a really crucial step for subscription brands and also other brands. So the easiest way to get into your ideal customer's mindset is to ask yourself, why are they looking for a subscription service? And does your service match up with their expectations? For example, um, a, food a pet food brand based in the UK called Lily's Kitchen does a fantastic job of showcasing the benefits of their service, as well as adding value and emotion at the same time. So they out outlay the three main benefits, which are less screen time, more playtime, and also saving money. Then they go into more detail, stating things like spend less time shopping online, just set up your subscription and we'll take care of the rest. Updating, pausing or cancelling is a doddle. So this instantly makes the user feel more relaxed and like a small weight has been lifted from their busy shoulders. Additionally, Lily has overcome some major potential objections by stating how easy it is to update, pause or cancel the subscription. After that, they then state how less screen time effectively means more quality time to spend with your pets. So whether this is more time playing with toys or tummy tickles or just chilling on the sofa. And this is a major one. All of us at some point or another have wondered how we can get more time. Our lives are generally so busy and Lily's is effectively giving us some time back by saying, you know, don't worry about it. We'll take care of this for you. Go spend some time with your pets. And lastly, we have the save money section. So if you subscribe to Lily's, not only do you have more time for all the more important things in life, but you also get a further 5% off and free delivery on all future orders. Additionally, any promotions that they have on their site will automatically get applied to your order without you having to do a thing. So this is huge because everyone's attracted to a deal, no matter what the size is. But from a business standpoint, offering discounts reduces the possibility of users shopping around elsewhere. And it also creates a sense of urgency. So the urgency is created partly because of the idea of scarcity, but also because of something called anticipatory regrets, which is regret of missing out on a deal. So this is a huge urgency driver when it comes to users accepting a discount. And lastly, Lily's are overcoming the potential objection of shipping costs by offering free delivery on every order. For consumers, shipping costs reduce reduce order frequency, with 79% of consumers saying that free shipping makes them more likely to shop with a brand. This is largely due, due to convenience, because convenience shapes shoppers' behavior. To potential customers, shipping costs are an inconvenience, which leads to the majority of them abandoning their purchase. So if you can promote convenience on your landing page, then it's more likely that users will complete the process. I feel like we could do a whole entire episode deep diving into, into Lily's Kitchen here. There was so much on there. That's fantastic. <laughs> I know. They're so great. Like I've subscribed to them um, for my three cats before. So like I've had them for three years now. So I've been subscribed that long. And it is like so, I think I have canceled a couple of times before and it is like super, super easy to do. 
But also, if there's any problems, like the customer service team are absolutely amazing as well. So there, there's a ton, a ton in there. What I really want to dig into is the fact that you didn't talk about the product at all on that landing page, which was really, really interesting. So it shows that they're they're confident enough in their product, but they're not selling the product. They're selling more time with your pet. Like you yeah. said, tummy tickles, yeah. hanging on the couch, whatever it is. That's the product that they're actually selling on yeah. their landing page. So they're trying to convert based on spend more time with your pets rather than here's why our pet food's awesome because that's what everyone else does. That's a really, really interesting way to sell that. Yeah, so they're selling more on the emotional side of things. And I mean, that is certainly something that got me because I was just like, oh my God, like working a nine to five, being really busy, like, you know, like a lot of people um, are like, if, especially for like young families, like they're busy, they need to take their kids to school, they've got pets, they've got jobs. So this is like a really good way of selling it an, an, on an emotional value. I love that. I absolutely love that. We got to dig into that a little bit more. We'll uh, we'll provide some links here to make sure the landing pages get um, shown to the actual podcast links, um, so we can circle back and, and take a look at those later. But that's an awesome first step. Let's see what's up next. Thank you. So tip number two is to utilize social proof. So if you're not utilizing social proof on your subscription landing page, then you really need to consider it. Social proof is a really effective CRO tactic for a number of reasons, mainly because it builds trust and credibility for users because they can see that others have interacted with your brand and they've had a fantastic experience, which is obviously priceless for any business. So the main motivating factor for social proof is something called the bandwagon effect. Now this is like a cognitive bias that essentially states that most people are more likely to take an action if other people are doing it. So for example, the subscription pasta service called Pasta Evangelists, they utilize social proof extremely well. So on their subscription landing page, one of the first things that you see is their trust pilot rating above the fold. So immediately you can see that they've got a massive like 3,626 reviews, which gives them a trust score of 4.5% with a rating of excellent. So right away, even if you've like never heard of these people before, you know that this is a brand that you can trust and you're more likely to have a fantastic experience. In addition to this, they've also got a, an endorsement from celebrity chef Prulief. So this is extremely clever just because most people in the UK know who Prulief is because of the Great British Bake Off. And obviously she's had quite a great career as well, um, but she also has a lot of credibility. And because she's personally endorsed them with the quote, love it, unashamedly top end, she passes some of her credibility onto the brands. And plus the fact any Prulief fans will also almost certainly sign up for a pasta plan because subconsciously they want to emulate their hero. And lastly, this landing page utilizes a trust bar. So trust bars are super important for building trust and credibility. The one on their page has endorsements from the BBC, Harrods and ITV. And they also show that they are featured on Dragon's Den. And then again, they also have a multitude of reviews from newspapers and magazines. My only complaint is that um, their celebrity endorsement and their trust bars at the bottom of the page. So this could mean that not many potential customers are seeing it, which is a shame. So my advice would be to make sure any social proof or any trust bars it move to above the fold to ensure that as many users are seeing it as soon as they land on the page. Another super interesting one. So now we're kind of blending the lines again, going backwards to what Nathan was talking about. This feels like a who gives a crap play where they're they're putting yeah. everything in their community and they're saying, our community loves us. We're not going to restrict you. So check us out and hear all the people who, who enjoy us already. And hear all the people who are already talking positively about us. So you said there's yeah. already over 3000 reviews above the fold right as soon as you hit the landing page, right? Yeah. So I'm a little trust pilot widget. 
So you're already showing, you know, not only are we a great brand, but again, we don't have to sell ourselves because everyone else is going to sell us. So now you're talking, let's build a community. Let's build a, a significant number of people who will talk positively about us. And we don't have to do the hard sell on our side. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, this is another one that I've tried before. And they don't really talk about how long it takes to cook the product. And I mean, it's literally something stupid, like five to 10 minutes. So I can be at work and on my lunch break, it doesn't take me like an hour to cook some lunch. It will take me like 10 minutes and it, it tastes great too, which is always a plus. <laughs> That's amazing. Celebrity endorsements are, are always interesting because sometimes people will see through them and sometimes people say, okay, you know, this is just some random person who's getting paid to do this. But if it actually makes sense, if it's in your vertical, like you said, I don't actually know the chef. I don't watch Great British Bake Off. I apologize. <laughs> but if it makes sense and if that's your target market, then that's that's exactly what you should be doing. And it seems like that's that's a great way to, to entice new subscribers. Absolutely. Sacrilege. Cool. Sacrilege there, Chase, not watching uh, Great British Bake Off. <laughs> I live in California. It's it's a little bit too far away from me. I got to, but uh, maybe, maybe I'll hop into that tonight. I'm if you sure ever you need an in-depth, yeah. It's on, it's, it'll be on Netflix, I'm sure. All right, and, we'll, uh, we'll do a teardown. We'll do a, a second episode where we can dig into Great British Bake Off reviews. <laughs> That'll be my, my second podcast we'll launch in a bit. Right. We're giving you so many ideas there. It's brilliant. I love it. I can't wait. <laughs> okay, so tip number three is to replicate the in-person buying experience. So this is essential for any online business. So if you've got a bricks and mortar store, it's considerably easier to sell stock. So potential customers can go in, physically interact with the coat, the shoes, the pops, the pans, whatever it may be. And they can make an informed decision on, as to whether this product is right for them. With e-commerce, it's a little bit harder. So your landing page needs to give your users enough information so that they can make an informed decision, but not so much that they feel overwhelmed. So balance is really key here. So the Hut Group are major players in the e-commerce space and for good reason. One of the brands under their umbrella is a beauty brand called Look Fantastic. They have a beauty subscription box. So their landing page replicates the in-person buying experience perfectly. And to replicate the in-person buying experience, your potential customers need to be able to see what they're getting. Shopping online can be a major risk. And if users are unsure in any way, then they won't be making a purchase on your site. One way to overcome this is with clear product imagery. Look Fantastic showcases all of the products that you'll receive in your beauty box all together as well as separately. So you can have a clear idea of what it is you're actually ordering. Additionally, they're using uniform images, which in turn makes the product look, look a lot more appealing to the user. So we're talking uniform backgrounds here. They also utilize video content with a high quality 15 second video. So they're basically showing the contents of the box and handling the products just as a user would in a physical store. This is great not only for showing sizing, but for showing things such as the color and the texture of cosmetic products, as well as getting you to imagine owning these and using them. In addition to this, they also have a detailed what's in the box section, which describes the function of the individual products and also states their cost. This shows users how much they can save by subscribing. So there are like six products in the box with the majority costing between five and 10 pounds each, while the box itself is only 13 pounds, making the saving potential very clear. That's awesome. So I think there's, there's a couple of things here. And I think that this one now brings in the idea of verticals. So there's, for something like a beauty box, People have their, you know, their specific shades of things that they like, whether it's lipstick, you know, any, any kind of things like that. 
There are other verticals where maybe a surprise and delight approach works better. Maybe like, yeah. like a snack food kind of thing might work a little bit better of like, Hey, you're subscribing. We're going to send you a handful of random snacks from a different country, whatever it is. Yeah. Um, but being clear about a product that is, that needs to be used and needs to be tested where you really understand what's going on has to be perfectly clear. Um, so yeah. I think things like unboxing videos go a long way. Things like showing what's in the box, doing videos, handling. So you can see how big this thing is. Um, that's a great way to, to really have the subscribers understand what they're getting. So they're not confused or they're not surprised by what comes next. Yeah, absolutely. Do you think that, that certain verticals or I just directly, what verticals do you think would work better that are very clear to be shown in what's in the box versus like maybe keeping things a surprise for, for the customers to unbox? Well, I think obviously, like we just discussed, the cosmetic one's a really good idea. Um, also, like I spoke about earlier, pet food. So anything like food related or cosmetic, it's really important to show people. But then again, just saying that there is a brand called Degusta um, in the UK, and it's essentially like a surprise. So I, I subscribe to it as well. So it's every month you get a box full of 13 products that have only just come out. And it's a complete surprise. And it's brilliant. It's like Christmas. So... I guess it just kind of depends, which is a really, really rubbish response. I'm really sorry. <laughs> the answers, uh, the good answers for products usually ends up being, well, it depends on a lot of different things, but it goes okay. back to your point earlier. Like you have to test these things. You can't yeah. just send a, a makeup box, a beauty box without having the customer understand what's in it. But oh, maybe okay. there are other avenues where you can send different things and say, Hey, this is meant to be a surprise and you should enjoy the kind of randomness that comes out of this box. Yeah, definitely. So like, especially, for cosmetics as well obviously you've got to take in, into account like i don't know maybe like a dark, a dark brown lipstick wouldn't look great on me because i'm really pale or maybe a bright red one won't look right either so you've really got to think about that too very interesting very interesting and i think but, you have one more right last up um yes yes i've got one more all right so, let's do it <laughs> number four is to ensure that your conversion goal is clear so in order to increase conversions, you've got to make sure that people understand what your goal is. So this comes down to three primary questions. What the goal of the page is, what do we want the users to do on that page, and are the users taking the correct action? A lot of landing page conversion goals are unclear, and users won't be able to recognize the action that page wants them to take or what will happen next. We need to be proactive and guide our users towards conversion by making it plain what the next step is by utilizing the correct language in our calls to action. So if your landing page isn't using CTAs correctly, it almost becomes like a passive brochure with no real intent. So think about any time that you've ever signed up to anything. This could be like getting a Netflix subscription, signing up to New Yorker, or even downloading Spotify. It's extremely likely that you've signed up for these services as a result of a compelling CTA. The best CTAs tell the user exactly what will happen next and nudge them into taking action. So we've all seen the obligatory learn more and click here, et cetera. But we need to move beyond that and encourage users to click through while removing any fear of the unknown. So if we take Spotify for an example, their CTA is try Spotify free, which is much more compelling than click here. They're also adding value and using active language. Netflix utilize a get started CTA after an email field. So you know that by clicking this button, you're going to go to the sign up stage. If the CTA were learn more and a user did click it, they would be confused to find a form on the page and would probably exit. 
So by using CTAs like try it for free, shop now, subscribe, or give us a try even, you're actively telling the user what to expect at the next stage, minimizing your exit rates and increasing your chances of subscriptions. Additionally, we should be harnessing the power of transitional CTAs where possible to ensure that we're catering to both types of buyers. So this would be the impulse buyer and the research buyer. So there's, again, a ton there. You're throwing a, a lot at us, which I absolutely love. Sorry. So <laughs> CTAs need to be, they, they really truly need to be action oriented. Something like a learn more or something like a click here is my absolute least favorite of everything. Click here. Like absolutely. click here for what? What am I getting out of this? What's yeah, the value? What's the value? So I think that, that being very clear needs to be, you know, obviously very clear, but then there's also different types of, of CTAs. So something like a learn more, you know, maybe something like uh, learn more about our product or here's why a subscription makes sense. Something that's a bit clear, that's a bit more action oriented will always drive more clicks and more conversions than just a generic click here. Yeah, definitely. Cause I mean, like it kind of comes back as well to the in-person buying experience, because if I'm not sure what's going to happen next, there's, I, is a, I, there's no one I can ask unless I mean, you've got live chat, which is great, but even that can only go so far. So having it clear straight away. So you're not putting subconsciously in your customer's mind that this might be a confusing website, even it could be like the easiest one in the world. But if it's very ambiguous, then people aren't going to trust you enough to open their wallets and then convert. It's fantastic that you brought up the in-person buying experience one more time. I think this kind of rounds everything out really nicely. Could you imagine walking into a store and picking up, you know, a shirt off of a rack and having something pop up that just says, click here. You say, yeah, what, exactly. what's the point of that? What do I do with it? I'm holding my product. I know what I want to do with this. What is that button doing for me? What's, what's the point here? So being yeah. action oriented and kind of driving customers towards your end goal is massively important. Definitely. So we're going to get into a few closing questions here. I want to ask both of you, actually, um, an example of a subscription brand or advice to a subscription brand that's kind of just getting off the ground here. Yeah, I don't mind starting. Um, I think as a broader piece, something that we're coming up against with many of the brands that we're working with are either of a certain size and entering into the subscription space, or they are literally starting afresh with a subscription only offering is kind of it very much links to what I say and is that don't look at who you're selling subscription to and really try to not overcomplicate it for those people. Most times, if you are introducing subscription to an existing product, you are selling it to people that know your brand, they know your product, they know your website, they're familiar with who you are. Introducing subscription as a concept alone is, is a complication in their, their kind of experience with your site. So it's vital that the subscription experience, it isn't too in-depth. I think the best thing I can say is that don't assume because you've spent a lot of time doing great competitor research, looking at all the other brands in your space that do it, that, that the consumers are doing the same thing. It's not really, it's not what I do. If I'm looking for a new coffee brand to subscribe to, I'm not going to go on every one and judge the subscription experience and then buy. I will end up buying the first one I experience. And if it's good enough, it will be that one. Um, so I think if you're, if you're trying it out for the first time, then quite literally try it out. Keep it fairly simple. Work out what's worked well for you and what, how you've sold things and package things up and, and keep, keep a relative amount of order on things, but, but don't overdo it. Um, and then see what works. It is not Your V1 subscription offering is not going to be what exists in 12 months' time. You can add to it. There can be a phased approach. You can add different things. It can be really exciting as your subscribers develop with you and they learn more. So that would be things. Keep it, keep it simple. Love keeping it simple. Liliana, over to you. 
Thank you so much. So my advice would be to make sure that you outline the process so that it's extremely clear and easy to understand. So showing the users how they can benefit from subscribing to your service, whether that's money off to start with, uh, saving in time, or the autonomy of not having to think about reordering. It's very unlikely that you'll have social proof to start with, so you need to make sure that you overcome as many objections as possible until you have social proof to then bolster your efforts. I would also recommend putting a review process in place. This could be something like sending customers an email and asking for a review. So the trick here is to wait long enough for the customer to get to use the product or your service, but not so long that they forget all about it. The usual, usual rule of thumb is no less than two weeks here. You do play off each other very well. It's almost like you work together on a day-to-day -day basis. Who would have thought? <laughs> Both nice. of the recommendations kind of play off each other. That's awesome. Keep it simple, but have enough detail on there and ask for reviews so you can kind of keep that loop going. Definitely. So let's flip the script a bit. So let's, let's assume now that there's a subscription brand who has their product market fit. They're already starting to scale. What is a piece of advice you'd give to kind of get them over that 100,000 subscriber mark, get them kind of keep scaling up into the future? For me, it's it's all retention. Um, it's long-term value. It's the fact that if you've scaled to 10K, um subscribers you've done a lot of things right to get to that point and you're going to keep acquiring people even just by word of mouth so you know new customers probably won't be an issue for you it will continue by and large this isn't obviously the case to case but focus on keeping people make them stick around churn is such a huge issue for subscribers we are going into a very difficult time for a lot of people financially and understanding how you can make their life easier through subscription, how if you can make it cheaper than buying as one-off purchases, then look at those things. That is what, as people start to tighten their purse strings and really focus on what their weekly outgoings are, then keeping people, making them stick around is going to help you continue to scale in, in a tricky environment. I couldn't agree more. I think retention is so big as you start to scale. Acquisition will always come. There's always ways to acquire new customers. Retention is going to be the tough one, especially coming in the next and I, want to, I don't want to put a date on it, but exactly, yeah. in, in the near future and potentially long-term future, it's going to be a big deal. Liliana, last up. Thank you. So I would recommend utilizing CRO within your marketing efforts. So reviewing all of the data that you've collect, collected, identifying opportunities to improvement, uh, for improvement, and hypothesizing what the outcome could be, and deploying tests. So it's really important to remember that even a failed test can tell you a lot about your users and how that they're using your site. If your test fails, then go back to your hypothesis and tweak it and be sure to review your implementation methods before redeploying your variants. Super smart. Always be testing. I think you break that down. Make sure you're testing everything because as you grow, um, it's not going to be the same product that you had you know, six weeks, six months, six years ago. So it'll be interesting to see how everything evolves. Final question for both of you in the last minute here. What do both of you subscribe to, Nathan? So at the moment, I, I subscribe to like, um, it's a lot of food magazines, actually. I'm, I'm a big, big eater of and cooker of food. Um, <laughs> if either of those are really words. Um, so those two and uh, Harry's Razors. Um, it's another one that I've subscribed to, but not tons, actually. I kind of took measure of, of my whole life uh, when, I, when I read that question. I was like, maybe I need to, to look into it a bit more. But yeah, there's, there's a few bits here and there. I do also subscribe to, and this is more plays onto more of the membership side of recharge and something that is very exciting and not that they are i don't think they are recharge but neurophone headphones i'm a subscriber of 
those guys and you pay a small amount every month and you get to use their incredible headphones that I could never afford, but I can convince myself that I can by paying a small amount each month. But I like the membership aspect of it because there's new launches, there's different things, there's perks of being a member and stuff. So I think that's something interesting to watch out for as well in the future for different things outside of just electronics. Um, that's a great one. Yeah. That's a great one. Thank you. So um, uh, basically too many. Um, I mainly subscribe to things that help me be a functioning human. So that would be things like oat milk, cleaning products, laundry detergent. I subscribe to Who Gives a Crap as well. I highly recommend. Um, and iced coffee. That is like the most important one. Like Amazon turned up the other day with my subscription. It was like a massive box and I've got nowhere to put it. So literally in my kitchen, it's just like a sideboard full of iced coffee. But <laughs> I don't see a problem with that. I don't see no, a I thought it was fine until like my dad came over and started like judging me for it. <laughs> Liliana and Nathan, thank you so much for joining us. Really appreciate all your insight. Thank you so much thank for you. having me. Cheers. We want to thank Nathan and Liliana once again for joining us. If you're interested in Underwater Pistol, you can head over to underwaterpistol.com.